Well, welcome back to Neighboring. Neighboring is Neighborlink's podcast where we attempt to answer the question, what it means to be a good neighbor. And also a second question that we're, we're trying to ask this year is, what makes healthy neighborhoods healthy? This idea of there are some unique things about our neighborhoods that are existing and we're sitting down with five different neighborhood associations in Fort Wayne and actually doing a more comprehensive research project on this kind of question where we're combining quantitative data, looking at socioeconomics of a neighborhood in a areas of town, and then doing a lot of qualitative data and sitting down with neighborhood associations to uh, really ask the question and get to hear from them uh, what they think makes a neighborhood healthy. For those that are unfamiliar with NeighborLink, NeighborLink, we created a web platform 15 years ago uh, really as a way to connect vulnerable neighbors that are falling through the cracks of social services with other neighbors or civic entity, civically minded groups like churches, businesses that are looking for volunteerism opportunities. So uh, in it practically, if there's a senior citizen who can has been living in their home for 20, 30 years and can live independently but struggles with mowing their grass, we're trying to help volunteers or other neighbors to get to connect with them. Um, social connectivity in neighborhoods is harder than ever, um, but we hope to illustrate in five neighborhoods where social connectivity is kind of a core priority. So we are sitting here today uh, with two members, uh, two neighbors and members of the leadership team in Williams Woodland Park neighborhood here in South Central Fort Wayne, uh, Lindsay and Charlie. Welcome to Neighboring. Thank you. I'd love for you guys to start by introducing yourselves individually and then uh, roughly how you got connected to Williams Woodland and how you got involved and started in the neighbor association. Okay. Who wants to start? Uh, I can kick it off. Right. Um, so let's see, we moved in in 2012, I think we just, in March, so we're coming up on our seven year anniversary, um, my, my hubby and I. Um, we started just by biking around the area. Raul's mom lived on um, Hoagland and we loved to bike through Williams Woodland mainly because of the architecture and all the tree canopy and the bright colors and I don't know it was just an awesome place it was easy to connect from there to other bike paths and foster park and whatnot and we just happened to roll by this house one day and sat on it for about six months the housing market was a lot different then and finally we were debating renting and it was so affordable at that time that we decided to just jump in and take on a historic home that needed a lot of help um, and that took a few years to do uh, after we kind of wrapped that up is when we really started to get involved in the neighborhood. And I can just distinctly remember working outside one day on the house and there were two neighbors that walked by that are great friends of ours now. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, I see that dress, that, that's at Target. Like, <laughs> I know we would get along because Target. she shops at Target. People together. <laughs> yes, and we struck up a conversation on that and she was headed to the neighborhood meeting at that time. And so I'm like, you know what, I'll, I'll tag along next month with you and that's how we really started getting involved and from there it was just attending meetings and going to social events and eventually joining the board and, and I just finished up a role as president onto treasurer now. So. That's great. Mm -hmm. uh, my history, uh, I guess isn't too dissimilar. Um, we, uh, the wife and I were renting a house in the Nebraska neighborhood, if you're familiar with that, just, just south of North Highlands actually. And we actually knew some people, Dry and Brandy, who lived in Williams Woodland and the house came up for rent and we looked at it and Nancy and my wife was like, oh my God, we have to rent this place. This house is gorgeous. Um, I'm like, sure, I like it. I like architecture, let's do it. And then we moved in and the, 
more we lived there, the more like we'd meet our neighbors, we'd go on walks and we'd run into somebody and you'd have like a half hour conversation on a walk. And you know, the more we lived, the more I'm like, this is a cool neighborhood. I like this neighborhood. I like actually talking to my neighbors, which is something you don't get in every neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we rented for about three years. Uh, and then we decided to buy a house in the neighborhood, um, which eventually it took, you know, takes time to buy a house. Eventually we did. Um, just, you know, like Lindsay did, we wound up fixing it up, updating it, getting a little more modern. So that was kind of a fun project. But right around the time that we were doing that, um, I was talking to Lindsay actually, and she's like, you should be secretary or whatever you offered me. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'm interested. I'll do it. And this got sucked in. And now here, two years later, I'm trading her for president's role. Um, (laughs) And the role of social influence. We got dresses, we got (laughs) walks, all these kind of things. Well, that's great. Um, uh, I, in full disclosure, I'm a member of Williams Woodland. My wife and I moved in in, um, man, 2000, 2009, 2010, somewhere around there. It's hard to believe that we've been there over a decade ourselves and had similar similar connections. Uh, what have you, like, paint a picture for the audience of, like, Williams Woodland. Yeah, if I'm you not could... familiar with Williams Woodland. I had a friend that lived down there, so you, all you cool kids are, like, in the hip club, but I'm like... Is it the neighborhood I'm thinking of? So yeah, like if for someone like me and an audience member who's listening in who might not understand, paint a picture. I mean, I'm picking up that there's lots of walking around. There's beautiful architecture. Mm-hmm. But where is it? What are the boundaries? And just give me a little more insight of this neighborhood. I, I, I always describe it whenever people are like, where do you live? I'm like, I'm one mile directly south of the ballpark, right? The, the Parkview Field is a huge huge landmark everybody knows where it is so that kind of gives them an idea um and then we're bounded by the streets um creighton uh, calhoun pontiac and fairfield so we actually have some pretty cool stuff on the corners of our neighborhood like the boys and girls club is on one corner uh, the fairfield manor is on another corner um the rialto the old rialto is on another corner so we have a lot of cool landmarks that to anchor us and the other corner of course is the great taco shop mi tierra so yeah we have awesome corners yeah. so what like in your in your neighborhood are there any like local businesses or something nearby that... inside the core of the neighborhood we're pretty much purely residential yeah. okay. just to give a little background of the history of the area it was originally a park when it was built um back in the turn of the century at the 20th century um, so what we benefit from that is a ton of huge mature trees and um, some bigger lots on, the, especially the outside of the neighborhood. And that was, that's what I think what makes it so beautiful because you have great springs and great falls, especially. Um, but then of course you have a lot of turn of the century architecture. Um, a lot of the residents who first lived in the neighborhood were, um, I guess on like I guess high society of the day. Um, so a lot of the homes are a lot more opulent and just fancy inside and they've gone through different periods of you know I guess up and down in um, terms of economic people that are in that neighborhood but it's just been great to kind of see like this elevation of the homes in the last I would say maybe 30 years I guess is what I hear when the neighborhood started kind of really turning around and um, people starting to put a lot more time and effort into restoring the architecture. Man, you guys got me like I want to go see it now. When's your guys' home tour? When can I like see? Do you guys it's always the first full weekend first of December. First full weekend of December, December 7th and 8th this year. Right. Um, we let everybody um, who purchases a ticket get a chance to tour usually about seven to eight homes and a couple of apartments in Fairfield Manor, which Charlie mentioned. 
So you can not only get to experience the outside of the home, but you get to see the really cool features inside. Um, yeah. And most every year, there's at least one home that's in the process of a heavy remodel, which people love to see because yes. you see gutted walls. And, and then you come back the next year and see the after. So right, yeah. if you like HGTV, you will like the summer. <laughs> yeah, some of the other unique features, I think, of our neighborhood. Um, there's there's not many homes under probably 17 1800 square foot a lot of traditional four squares mm -hmm. um, most most everything was built like really early 1900s it was probably one of the latest homes that was built in the neighborhood there are a few that kind of there's were filled in a couple but more like 1950 that's 50, really atypical because yeah. there's that one that just went yeah. for auction at little white house mm -hmm. i wonder though if that was like you said a film maybe a house burned down sure or something, yeah but. But most of them are around 1910 1920. Uh, one of the other real characteristics that I think is unique to Williams Woodland as we think in four-way neighborhoods is it's relatively small. Like, we've given that geography, it's and if you're not real one familiar, mile lap around. Okay. I think like to take dog and run a lap. Which is really <laughs> small and really unique when in terms of, like, a true neighborhood boundary, most other neighborhoods have a much, much bigger footprint. Yeah. Especially if you compare it to, like, large cities where a neighborhood oh, sure. would be thousands mm -hmm. of homes, and we're like, no, we're 200 homes. Yeah, uh, which makes it really unique. Sometimes it feels like we're like this little island in the yeah. middle of, of South Central. Cult, I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it gets it's used in good in a good way. I mean, I mean good, they're a good cult. a good cult, not a bad one. We're not we're one. not a cult. We're we're, we're close knit. <laughs> we're close knit. knit. Yes, that's a benefit of having two hundred <laughs> homes. Is I bet you I could tell you everybody's spouse, child, and dog name for ninety wow. percent of the homes in the neighborhood. And I don't think you're going to find that in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. Wow. No. I think boundaries. you're right. Wow. Dang. Yeah, with that, so I would say, yeah, uh, Lindsay, you kind of talked about mm -hmm. this, like when did the neighborhoods really start shifting and turning? Uh, when we moved in, it was so great to meet other people. My wife and I know we moved, we moved in very intentionally. Like we were looking around and uh, joined another family and we moved into that neighborhood like very distinctly. And what was so great is we got to meet several others, families that had, you know, been 15, 15 years before us and now, you know, have been there 30, 35 years. We, we learned that there was a resurgence 30, 35 years ago or some other neighbors really intentionally moving in. Uh, describe what's really kind of happened in Williams within the last maybe 30 years, if you have any more context for that, but also uh, what kind of development we've kind of seen in the last 15 years. I guess the way I would describe it is, you know, like you maybe start from the beginning. The neighborhood was built around 1900. Like my house is from the late 1890s. So that's kind of the beginning of the building in that neighborhood. And it seemed like most of the houses were finally developed in 1910, 1920s. Um, and then I call it old suburbia. Like this is where all the rich people left the city and moved to the big houses. And then for reasons I don't understand, in like the 1950s, it seemed like um, that's when there was a shift in the neighborhood and it started becoming more of a rental area. You know, a lot of houses were, were split up in the duplexes, triplexes, quadplexes, whatever, starting in like the 1950s. And that kind of defined the neighborhood until the 80s. When did we get our historic designation? I don't know the exact year, but it, it was right around that 30, 30 year ago <clears throat> time. And that was, I think, a, one of the reasons that we were able to see that resurgence that gave people a common goal to unite around it kept homes from being further split and maintaining their exterior yeah. architecture for sure. The historic designation and the, the rezoning of the, the core of the neighborhood was rezoned to R1, mm -hmm. right, to kind of discourage splitting up houses again. 
Um, of course, all the existing ones are grandfathered in, so many of them are still there. But that was, yeah, the 80s when, is when a shift happened, and all the neighbors yeah. that we still talk to today were part of that. I've heard then also, it must be not quite so long. This is more about 15 years ago now. I've heard that the way that the association really took off and we started seeing a lot of participation was not because people were going to hear the treasurer's report and how much money was in the, the bank and whatnot. It was because they had a dinner together and all the neighbors were invited to this potluck dinner. And then the theme of the dinner was, hey, what do we want to do? What are our dreams? What are our goals? What do we want to, what do we want to unite around? How do we want to interact with each other? And that allowed them to start forging a, a relationship beyond um, just, you know, business. So. so as I'm listening to this, I'm hearing something pretty unique. So I see young faces and... I'm curious when you moved in, like who was in charge then and where did they go? Or are they still around? Has there been like a, you know, like what are you doing in my neighborhood mm -hmm. or everyone's welcome? Like what's the, the culture around that? Like, I mean, it seems like a pretty youthful neighborhood, like kind of paint a picture yeah. for me in that. Never ever have I felt anybody's like, you know, you're not part of this or something. Um, I've always felt welcomed and the great thing that you're mm. kind of touching on is there is definitely young single people, young families, um, people whose children are, you know, high school age, retirees, et cetera. We have this awesome spread of people and everyone connects and gets together in one way or another. So there's, I don't think we have this kind of division that maybe other That's people so experience. Unique. Yeah. And it's great because, um, I'll give you one example. There's a single retired woman and she works with a young family or maybe more than one family neighborhood takes care of their children and those two neighbors can interact and um, kind of co-depend on each other for different things and so it's great to have that diversity of wow. ages and experience that's extremely unique mm -hmm. so if I were a parent like a someone new to Fort Wayne and I you know were a parent had a few kids you know what would you guys say to me, should I move into Williams Woodland? Like, I would say absolutely. Yeah. Every remember the first neighborhood picnic I went to, I was like, there's like 30 kids here, and they're all from the neighborhood, and they're like some you know little tiny babies to like high schoolers, and they're just running around having fun, and there's 30 kids at the neighborhood picnic, mm -hmm. and I'm like, if you want, if you want your kids to hang out and play with around with the neighbors, this is absolutely yeah. a neighborhood for you. Yeah, and, and do the kids kind of like ride around on their bikes, mm -hmm. or like without like parents watching? Uh, yes, or... and the awesome thing, not that parents aren't watching, but I know that I don't have kids and I'm like constantly watching like, oh, there goes so-and-so, I make sure she gets to the corrals in the corner because that's, you know, I know where she's going and so I feel like there's that sense of other people looking out for other people. Um, I want to comment though, when I grew up, um, I lived on the north side of the town, outside of the city. We didn't have any neighbors. There was no neighborhood association. I, and it was so lonely. I was an only child for a long time. And I remember begging my parents, can we please move in an addition? Can we please move in an addition? I didn't have a lot of people to play with. And then um, in high school, most of my friends lived in Arlington Park. And I just loved to hang out over there because you could run around to four of your friends' houses in one afternoon. And I am so envious of those kids now that can just, you know, knock on the next door neighbor's door and they have an instant playmate or person to hang out with. And the same for adults, too, because I know that happens sure. a lot as well. So we're really very so fortunate. unique. Wow. I used to live, when I was a real little kid, like preschool, we lived on Home Avenue, which is only about a mile from Williams Woodland. 
And I remember living there, it was kind of the same thing as building building this neighborhood kids. You're just running around with the neighborhood kids and that's what you did. Um, but come around uh, first grade, we moved to the Georgetown area of town Northeast. And it was totally different. It was like kids didn't play outside. Like you didn't talk to your neighbors. Like you didn't get any of that. It was <laughs> a friend of mine. I kind of like the way he described it. He's like Northeast Fort Wayne is like a cultural dead zone. There's, <laughs> there's everybody's busy, but nothing's going on. It's it's this weird dynamic. But then you come to this area of town, and like you talk to your neighbors and you hang out with your neighbors and your kids, you know, run around the streets together and. And there's always something fun going on, whether it's a race coming through the neighborhood or a new restaurant opening or whatever it might be. So let me just ask you, what do you feel, you know, because some people are totally fine with like a cultural dead zone. Okay, fine. I mean, I'm just trying to live. But yeah, tell me, why do you think it's important, you know, for whether you're a parent or you're a married couple or single, why do you feel that that's really something to treasure or cherish to have that in your neighborhood because can't you just drive 10 minutes and go get that you know i'm just playing devil's advocate sure here. sure <laughs> so i guess it kind of gets to one of the one of the themes that you're going to get at uh the what makes a healthy neighborhood and i think when when you talk to your neighbors that's kind of the core requirement of a healthy neighborhood like if you don't talk to your neighbors if you don't know them if you're not if you're not in a position where you can just knock on your neighbor's door and get help for something, it could be anything like, hey, can you help me carry a new fridge into the house or something more serious like my plumbing's busted, can you help me? Like if you can't, if you can't approach your neighbors and already know their names, I think that, that I don't know, it's just it's not healthy for a neighborhood to be in that position. And I'm not saying that the, like, the northeast area of town is full of terrible people yeah, or anything. I'm just saying like that dynamic isn't, prevalent yeah right that little that song comes to mind little houses on the hillside little houses made of ticky tacky i think about that all the time so that's not your neighborhood right that's (laughs) That's, not your theme song every house is different every time i go into somebody's house i want to move to that house like uh, it's there's nothing the same and i want to touch on one thing here though about why it's important to have different i what we would call not a cultural dead zone and that's the topic of diversity because i think in our neighborhood walking you can get to see different kind of people in five minutes just by walking out of your front door and I don't know for other parts of town because I don't live there but I feel very fortunate that we do have that opportunity um, to coexist with people that aren't the same with us and I think that is important for the healthiness of a person in general just to expand um, their viewpoint. Well, think about like the corners of our neighborhood. On on one corner, you have the taqueria, right? Mm-hmm. So you get you get Mexican influences there, and you go just a few blocks south of it, and you get Manin, the Thai restaurant, right next That's to an Asian awesome. grocery mm-hmm. store, and you're just a few blocks away. I go to the other corner of the neighborhood, and you're at um, the Boys and Girls mm-hmm. Club, which has all kinds of people there, right? And so it I, just the corners of our neighborhood reflect the diversity. Sure. That's so plus great food. I mean, yeah, plus great food. <laughs> Yes. The real important thing. <laughs> yeah, I find I'm always going to Don Chavez because it's right down the street. And I'm like, man, it's probably a really good thing that I don't have a bunch of restaurants so close. Because there's so many nights you're like, oh, yes, there's groceries in the fridge. But it would just take me 20 minutes to go and sit down. So, yeah, like you guys, you can't help but be like, I mean, I, I should probably support local business. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't want to eat out tonight, but it's just right mm-hmm. down the street. So you yes. can talk yourself yes. into it. Sure you did. Sure you did. <laughs> uh, what is like the one of the areas that we 
touch on, and I think is an important part, what is the percentage, at least in your mind, uh, between renter and owner? Oh, we had that number at one point. It was 40, 50% at one point. At one point. I, I think it's, it's, it's dipping a little bit. A couple homes have been converted from either unoccupied to now occupied single family or from multiplex to single family. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the zoning of the neighborhood kind of encourages that direction flow, but we still have 40% rentals, I bet. 40% rental. Right. Mm -hmm. And it skews some of it because like one house might have five apartments. Sure. Right? So. One of the unique things we talked about yes yesterday or the, the last time we did a neighboring podcast with West Central was they made a really unique distinction about so often renters versus ownership because of the control of real estate and ownership nature. Uh, that number comes into play or gets talked about a lot. They made a really unique distinction, and I wonder what you guys think about this in terms of uh, the type of the type of landlord between being an absentee landlord and uh, a neighbor that happens to own several properties and is active actively involved in the neighborhood. Is there a difference? Do you see that in? Williams Woodland? Well, certainly. I'd say we have three kinds of landlords. We have um, out-of-state landlords who you can't get any, or sometimes it's out-of-city even. They're just absentee. You can't get anything out of them. The only thing they're interested in is putting another renter back in and they leave. Um, but then you have other landlords that are not in the neighborhood but closer. Usually they're like property management firms. Um, you get various quality with that. Um, usually we would say it trends towards lower quality. Uh, I would say they're slightly better than out-of-state landlords, though, because you can actually call them. They have an office, right? In terms of maintaining <laughs> the house is what I want to clarify. We, there. I mean, obviously being a landlord is a business, so I think the person that is a landlord walks a fine line of maintaining their property um, and making their money. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, I think that sometimes contributes to the detriment of the home, home or the neighborhood, and that's been the challenge is trying to engage people to see the value in putting more money to that property. And that's that's the third landlord is the, the in-neighborhood landlord because we have a few of those and they, it's their neighborhood. They care they care in a way that's not necessarily monetary. So they're much more willing mm -hmm. to do those investments. Yeah. So diving into what makes neighborhoods healthy, what do you guys, uh, besides some of the other things, what are some other things in Williams Woodland that you would kind of say makes for a healthy neighborhood? Walkability. Front porches. Mm. Um, if you are driving into a garage every day and you're closing the door and walking into your house and you never see anybody, I don't understand how you could even make the connection with those people when, across the street. When we were shopping for a house, I'm like, I don't, the only requirement I had was front porch. Mm -hmm. It was a big front wow. porch. I wanted it to face east because then most of the weather travels mm -hmm. over you, so you can mm -hmm. sit out in the front porch during a storm. Yeah. Like, that was it. I'm like, well, Nancy, you can pick the other requirements. Dang, this is all like I really want. That's like very, like, you know, Indian. Like, you must sleep at night <laughs> facing the east or probably have the wrong direction, but. Have you ever sat on the front porch while the weather passes yes. over you during a storm? It's My nice. My porch faces north. Well, we'll invite you to Charlie's porch. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. blasted. I'm like, ah, uh, I'm inside. I, I have that. a big picture window, yeah. so I'm like, okay, this is cool. This is nice. Other things I think, though, would be um, a social aspect. So getting together to share food or drinks or play games. Um, big ones for us are picnics and um, the Fort for Fitness. We throw a whole street party then, um, which has helped to reach out to other parts of the community and kind of let them know what we're about, I think. Um, it 
just getting a chance to know know who the people are that live around you and it's been so amazing that we kind of all have just lots of things that connect us the common threads and that was never intentional to live amongst people that are similar to me in that way um, but gosh it's been really nice to know that most of my friends are actually neighbors mm -hmm. and man I don't know a lot of people that can say that that's been true for Michelle and I. Like, I think if we look at like our closest friends over the last ten or eleven years that are, that consume, like, it's such a refreshing, mm -hmm. it's it's such a refreshing thing that we didn't necessarily move in thinking like oh, we can't wait to make best friends, but the fact that that has been a huge benefit it ranks really high for us. Like, uh, the same of. Like knowing your neighbors in a way that allow you to send your kids across the street to the other parents when something comes up. Like last year, I was out on a bike ride, 50, you know, ten miles from home, and I get a call, and hey, how far are you away from home? Can you come home? I'm like, well, I'm like thirty minutes away. Like, uh, well, one of the kids threw a hot wheel and it went through, like, poked a hole in the other one's mouth, and I need to take him to the emergency room and. Well, can you just go across the street? Can you, like, tell Carrie, our neighbor, that I'll be back as soon as I can? Can she just watch him and play in the yard for, like, 20 minutes? Well, yeah, sure. And so that was the solution. And Did that really happen? Yeah, that really happened. <laughs> I have twin okay. boys. What kind, what kind of hot wheel? I, I have twin boys. They were playing in the yard and found, like, this, like, gas, like, uh, this, like, tanker truck that had, like, smokestacks. And one decided to chuck Jeez, the other, chuck it across the yard and... Jeez. A little smokestack went through it, poked a hole in his lip. So. You should just put a little, like, liquoring in there and then, like, send him off to high school. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> just kidding. I'm not a doctor. Don't take any advice. But it's the idea that you could do that last minute. You don't have to plan yeah. it with them. You, you, yeah. you trust your neighbors well enough, and you think they trust you yeah. well enough that you can just kind of mm -hmm. handle it like that on the fly. Yeah. And one of the, the misconceptions I often think in terms of neighborhoods and associations when we talk about relational connectivity or social connectivity among neighbors is that there's this perception of like, if we get to know our neighbors, that means we have to be best friends with everyone. Like the, the process when we try to give, you should know your neighbor's names and you should get to know them. And it's like, well, there's a fear because I'm like, I don't know, we don't really, what if we don't connect or do we have to connect? And it's like, well, no, you don't really have to. That's kind of not the point. It's the, there's so much power in just getting to know the names and being on a first name basis and exchanging some information. Uh, you don't have to hang out once a week. Like if you do, that's great. But there's something to be said about the very fact of just getting to know your neighbors, exchanging informations, uh, being able to, instead of waving when you pass each other, you're like, Hi, Carrie, or hi, Mr. S Mr. Smith, or whatever it is, but you have that first name basis, mm -hmm. and that, that those are some small things that really connect yeah. Yeah. and make a huge difference. So when we talk about like relational connectivity, often we're trying to like, okay, you don't have to be best friends with all of your neighbors. That's not that's not necessarily the point, but mm -hmm. there's a huge benefit from just being connected. And it's, it's not just like uh, social cohesion and you know, like you know social well-being. There's 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 aspects of like security involved in right. that. Like if you know your neighbor, you're more likely to tell them like I'm going to be out of town this mm -hmm. weekend. Call me if there's anything yeah. that goes wrong. If a tree falls in my house or somebody breaks in, we know each other, so you can just call me. And let me and know. It makes if something you a happened. little less scared too, because I feel like. Like, I'll be honest, there was, like, a point, because I was just gone last week, and I'm like, I don't want my neighbor to know that I'm, like, there's one neighbor, I'm like, I don't want them to know that I'm gone, because what if they break into my house? So right. it's like, 
but I haven't really created a relationship with them enough. So I'm just throwing myself out here. I'm being candid. And I was like, yeah, I should probably get to know them better because at this point, I'm just being cautious. And so I made sure like my Facebook statuses, they couldn't sound like, I can't live like this. And then I'm gonna go and sit on neighboring with everybody. So you guys, this is, it's healthy to hear because sometimes I wonder like, you know, when you, it's, I mean, anthropology 101, one of the first things you learn is like, if you don't know another culture or another person, you can't help but just kind of project. It's easy to monstrosize something well, maybe I should be a little cautious of it. Or maybe, you know, I don't know those people over there. The minute that they become human, you can start being human together and alongside each other. And I think, you know, listening to these stories is really helpful because not only does it keep your mind in check and keep you from doing that, but also there's the the aspect of, you know, listening to these stories, it's really inspiring. And I would prefer that over... You know, I find myself like, okay, we got to put the Halloween decorations up. Like, oh man, we only have 20 minutes to do it. And so-and-so's talking to us and, uh, you know, but it's like to get, to burst that bubble of I'm on a time, you know how you're saying everybody's busy, but nothing's going on. Like, you don't want that. Like, I don't personally want that. Like take, you know what, maybe 15 of those 20 minutes gets chewed up, but you're going to find time elsewhere and what's going to come out of it in the end is far more fruitful and way cooler than you're you getting your Halloween decorations up in a timely manner. I mean, and I think that that's, you know, I'm always open to my my family stopping by. So what's the difference between a neighbor, you know, somebody who's living next door to my family or a few blocks down the street from my family? Like, where do we draw the lines? Like, family, yes, stop by any time. Neighbor, okay, you have three minutes to talk. What it, like... <laughs> That's not cool. Like, I'm just, you know, being human here. And I wonder if anybody else listening is like, okay, I kind of like this idea of like Williams Woodland, but like, tell me more, guys. So you're talking me right into it. I'm not proud of this. I'm, yes. Well, there are some neighbors who will talk your ear off, too. So if you love that, you, you can totally get that in Williams Woodland. And there's also great listeners, which that's me. Yeah. I'm not a talker, so we have a good combination. Well, that's cool. I mean, I feel like you guys have, you're you're so advanced in this you know, this little pocket of culture that you have going that you've found ways, like you've said, of like, you know, boundaries are created. Like you don't need to, oh, I need to spend 30 minutes every single time with Mr. Charlie down the street. And I, but it's like, you, you have to learn how to, just like with family, just like with coworkers, you have to learn how to draw those boundaries of, you know what, I love your stories, but I gotta get going, or you know, it's okay. You can just knowing when and where. I feel like you guys are learning to how to deeply navigate these things. It's really, really right. unique. And we're always looking for for new neighbors to be part of that. Um, we've actually moved two or three families into the neighborhood that we're specifically looking for a home. Um, because sometimes we have the inside track on <laughs> houses that are vacant. Or I bet you've converted yeah. so many people to like, they were going to pull the like card of, that I would like, kind of the me mm -hmm. that I was just like, oh, they're going to get me. Like, <laughs> and then sure enough, like you just like throw enough kindness at them and they're like, oh, okay, okay, I guess I could wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
okay if you want to have tea with me. Yeah, I'm sure you've yeah. converted so many people. I hope so. Well, for, for that, we've even, some landlords work with us and they'll specifically tell us if they uh, expect a vacancy in one of their homes coming up. And sometimes we can find somebody to fill it and they never even advertise it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right? You sure. know, landlords like that because usually they're already coming in with neighborhood support. So they're probably a decent neighbor. So that's always the hard part being a landlord, right? You want good tenants. Yeah. Man, you guys are so cool. Can I move in? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even yeah. after I just shared this <laughs> which, story, which, house you, which house do you want to buy? <laughs> or actually, there's a duplex uh, next door to me that's been up for rent upstairs. <laughs> yeah. Downstairs neighbors are great. The old Porter family moves in. <laughs> We're going to rent for about a month until we find out. So. That leads a good, a good segue. What are some of the goals? What are some of the maybe the problems that you guys are trying to address now and or some of the goals and visions for the neighborhood and kind of... Um, in the next couple of years. Well, this is this is something that I've been trying to formulate since I just got elected president um, and was at February. So this is yeah. <laughs> um, everybody's starting to call me El Presidente now. <laughs> I had Madam President when yeah, I was. <laughs> president. Must be a nickname thing. But uh, that's something that I'm starting to uh, try to try to create a coherent vision around, and, and really it's just like. What have the people before me done? You know, like Lindsay and Ed before her have done a phenomenal job bringing the neighborhood to where they are. And there's been other other leaders. I don't want to leave anybody out. Those are just the presidents that I that I've uh, interacted with. And so really, it's continuing what we're doing. Like everything that Lindsay's done is like, all right, this is great. Let's keep doing it and see if we can add a couple more things around the edges. I think the structure's there. We just mm-hmm. want to expand it. So like right now we do an ice cream social in June and we close off uh, one of the residential roads and it's like, well, instead of doing that, why don't we just host it at a church? That way you get the church more involved. So we're not really changing what we're doing. We're just changing where we're doing it to get more people. Connecting with not just residents, but people that are in our neighborhood for other reasons um, because we can do a better job of that. Um, And that's one thing I'd like to see is how could we get every neighbor to go to at least one thing? Like, how can we engage people that maybe aren't currently engaging? Um, and that's not something that we'll solve overnight, but it's being um, cognizant that you need to think about what is interesting to other people or a need that they need fulfilled and, and try to think about that and, and do that for them. Yeah, I would say that the, the underrepresented group of the neighborhood is renters. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to engage renters because the way they approach the home is just different because it's not their home per se, right? They don't own it. Um, so I think it's harder to get them involved in neighborhood organization because well, they might not be here in a year, right? They might move on. Because I rented for years, I get it. I loved mm-hmm. renting at the time because I loved the flexibility and then I'd have to worry about major home repairs. I could leave in a year if I wanted to. I could leave Fort Wayne if I wanted to. I wasn't tied yeah. down. But you know, it was, mm-hmm. that's when we finally decided to buy the house. We're like, nope, this neighborhood, this is it. We're done, we're moving in. Um, so those, that group would be awesome to engage. It's just, how do you attract them? The other thing is coming from a role where I was president. Okay. There's a lot of work to do. It's, you have got to be willing to volunteer a lot of your time and that was fine. I wanted to serve in that way. But if we had all of the houses that are vacant and, or occupied by renters also engaged, that would be a way to share the workload. And I think that in the end you would get a better product at the end because it's not all falling on a small group of people um, to grow and prosper the neighborhood. So it would be beneficial for the neighborhood to also reach out to those parties that maybe aren't aren't participating at this time and just make sure that they feel welcome and that their um, opinions and, and feelings are valued and we want them there. 
Yeah, it certainly takes a lot of work. That's one thing I've been aware of, of the Neighborhood Association. Lindsay's been put so much time and now you get to, Charlie. Uh, it <laughs> do does. A great it takes. Job. You'll just be so good at it. Well, every neighborhood that we talk to, um, there, there, people put tireless hours into trying to do whatever they're trying to do. I'm big, small. It just takes a lot of energy. Uh, this is a good place to kind of transition. This has been a been a great conversation. To wrap up, we'd like to ask the question: What does it mean to be a good neighbor to each of you? Have you guys had a chance to think about that kind of question? Would love to hear each of you kind of your take on what what do you think it means to be a good neighbor? For me, um, I think it's making sure that I take care of myself and my family, my home, but I also need to be available to take care of others around me. And I take pleasure in that. Um, I, I've answered a lot of calls and texts and requests for, hey, could you do this? Or could we do this? Or what's a way we could support so-and-so? And that is a way to be a good neighbor, is just showing somebody that you care about them, that you're willing to help them with any tasks that they need. You may not be the best at it, but gosh, I'll try to, to do what I can for you. And that's a way that I've made a lot of friends in the neighborhood. That's I would say, yeah, to, to know their name and be willing to help. I mean, that's to me, that's everything. If you're not willing to help, then your relationship can never be healthy. But you got to be willing to jump in and help the neighbor with anything and everything. A tree falls down, you help them clean it up. Mm-hmm. They, they're working on their car and they're missing a tool and you have it. You let them borrow it. You know, And, and always without the expectation of, of like yeah. money or anything Return, like that. Yeah. You're, just, you're just doing it because mm-hmm. it's, it's the right thing to do. And, you know, and it's, you kind of hope the same thing happens back. But really, you're just, you want to be helpful. That, to me, is what everything always boils down to. That's excellent. Thank you. We can't end this podcast yet without me asking oh, my favorite a, question. I will question. not be able to sleep at night. Okay. So, if you don't like superheroes or it's not your thing, I can, you can pass. But if you could have any superhero live in your neighborhood, who would it be mm-hmm. and why? Yeah, she gave this question before <laughs> we came, and I've been pondering it. We have a lot of superheroes in our neighborhood. And oh, that's Okay, I was like, is that kind of We really do. Okay, we don't need Superman or Batman or whatever. I'm not totally into comic books, so I don't know. But My answer wouldn't be a superhero mm-hmm. classically. It would be MacGyver, because um, especially in an old you know, neighborhood. That's, that is good. And, and it's just like you said, we have a lot in our neighborhood. We already have MacGyver. His name is Pete. <laughs> Right, and he is—he's an engineer, and he will help engineer any kind of solution for you. Oh, that's awesome! So he's—he's he's yeah, our MacGyver. It's, it's so MacGyver, answer. if you're listening, we need you. <laughs> but not really, because there's already Pete. I mean, oh, that's true. That's <laughs> true. I think Pete would like a sidekick. So there you go. Okay. It's—it's it's basically the idea of that is it's not just one person that keeps us going, and we don't need one person to protect us or make us better. Like yeah. it is definitely a group effort, and it always will be. Oh awesome. my goodness, that's enough. Lindsay, Charlie, Great. thank you for all thanks of your guys. efforts. Thank I get you. to say as a neighbor, like thanks for all of the work that you guys are doing and uh, so glad to be a part of that and get to play play a small part of it. And we love Williams Woodland and so grateful for that. So we can't, we're really looking forward to getting this research project done to see what other, what the other five neighborhoods uh, have to say as well and looking at this data to see how we can use the data and use the information to move forward and impact our neighborhood so thanks for uh, tuning into this episode of neighboring where we asked Williams Woodland what it means to be a good neighbor and what makes their neighborhood healthy thank you thank you thank you Thanks, guys.